0: Good evening, Patriots, and it's February 28th, or at least the end of it, on this Tuesday, in the year 2023. Another crazy day, as we know, that so many things kind of unfolding, and so many of the elites completely exposed, and the insanity that just continues to roll on and on. But the thing is, God's got this, and that's the most amazing part of everything, and he's not going to let any of these people get away with what they're doing. They all ultimately have to face judgment. Before we begin tonight, make sure that you're doing a lot to keep up your skills. We are going to end up into a very chaotic period and we have a responsibility to protect family and our domicile. And one of the best ways of doing that is to be using tools that we can practice with also while saving ammo and saving costs. One of those great products is iTarget Pro. You know how passionate I am about our constitution and especially the second amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter iTargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. I see people are saying something about sound problems. I'm not showing any on my end. What's going on? Everybody hear me, 5-5? Let me see if I can see chat. Is everybody hear me, 5-5? Okay. All right, good. We'll keep going then. Oh, by the way, um, today is Taco Tuesday, or it was. On the East Coast, you're not there anymore, but it's Taco Tuesday on this end. And after our music tonight, I'm going to do a little bit of Bards, all sorts of bacon taco stuff. If you want to hang around, that's going to be epic, I think. You know, today I found a way to make a taco shell out of bacon. I didn't think that was legal, but it is. And it's, it's going to be amazing. Because <laughs> that's already on my list once I finish with this period of fasting, it's like, oh yeah, no problem. Well, Patriots, I wanna start tonight by reading Psalm 27. I think it's got a lot of relevance here to where we are. It begins, "'The Lord is my light and my salvation, "'whom shall I fear? "'The Lord is the stronghold of my life, "'of whom shall I be afraid? "'When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though, any, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry out. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn around your servant away in anger. Turn not your servant away in anger. And you may have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. There's always so much discussion about patience, which would be waiting, seeking Father's face, and trusting in him to protect and deliver. When I read these things with David, I find this profound, and this obviously this is, the Lord is my light and my salvation of David. There is so much immense trust and I don't even sense this issue of trust, and this is why I'm, I'm going to kind of use a little different word. There's an understanding when you read this, that David is talking to the Lord, and he knows he's making his case, but he also knows he's going to be okay. When we talk about trust, I'm going to push, some, push a little bit of some understanding tonight, or at least my interpretation, let me put it that way of some things that I think we tend to have to question ourselves a lot with. And trust is at the center of a lot of what we're struggling with right now across our nation. Trust between one another has been fractured. It's been horribly damaged. Trust with institutions has nearly been ruined. And what we're left with is trusting in something. Unfortunately, if you've never had a relationship with the Lord and if you're not saved through Christ, you don't understand the power of trust, even in its basic sense. And we're seeing this a lot right now. People are beginning to unwind. They're searching for something. They're reaching for things. They're reacting to things. And in the process what it's at the core of this is they don't have a relationship with the Lord to know who or how to trust. There's, the truths are continuing to percolate out. So there's a doctor. I want to kind of go over this. This kind of makes a good case of this. I'm going to read some tweets here from her. Her name is Dr. Deep T. Gerdizans. Gerd. Anzani, Gird, Zani. This was an article in the Gateway Pundit. The headline was, woke doctor who was vaxxed several times and always masked up has a colossal meltdown after receiving her COVID diagnosis. This is a person that put all their trust in the institution and in the rules and in what was said and being obedient to the institutions of men. And those institutions of men betrayed her So let me read some of these tweets. She says, I finally got infected and tested positive last Tuesday. It's been a rough week. Not sure where I picked it up. It was following a flight. So many have been during the flight or at the airport. Didn't remove FFP3 at any point, except I did. Except for ID or perhaps outdoor swimming. I don't know. I started with a sore throat, fever, severe Um, melagia, fatigue, and worsening POTS symptoms. I have these at baseline due to my ulcerative colitis, but they are significantly worse since infection. Still feeling out, out of it after five days of Pax. That's the drug she's taking. The ignorance around us is shocking. This is her writing. I just spoke to a GP who told me that recent research shows that while masks were important, hand hygiene was by far more important, and that Paxilvid rebound was just spreading the virus in small doses rather than on a big dose. Paxilvid, she continues, Paxilvid rebound is not about spreading the virus in small doses. Paxilvid, to many of us who are clinically vulnerable is not just about reducing severe disease risk, but also improving the probability of virus clearance and reducing long COVID and viral persistence risk. This is crazy. Ultimately, while one, one-way one masking can be highly protective, individual measures simply aren't enough to protect everyone. For me, with my baseline risk profile, ulcerative colitis, immunosuppression, the risk of long-term COVID was always going to be high when I got infected. I was four months out of my booster, sixth dose when I got it. I was wearing an FFP3 consistently indoor spaces and most of the time even in outdoor spaces. So the only places I think I couldn't have caught it is, is despite the FFP3 during travel or outdoors when I was masking. When you have chronic illness, every setback can feel like a big step backward because improvement is gradual and it takes a long time to return to any sort of baseline status. Recovery is rarely quick when you have chronic illness, which is why I really dislike that it's just like a mild flu, that's in quotations, comparisons, because when flu isn't mild for many of us with chronic illness, and can set us back by weeks or sometimes even months. The impact of quality of life is far more tri- trivial. Final post here to the aholes who are using my getting COVID as some sort of victory to suggest that precautions don't work. If that's what you have to take away from all, from it all, there is really no point appealing to you on rational grounds. You do you, and I'll even and I'll enjoy living rent-free in your heads. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, She's not living rent-free in my head. What is she trusting? She was trusting in a science, and she's also trusting in a false narrative, one of which is very personal. And her trust is deep in the idea that she has all these sicknesses and that she is a victim, and that she's weaker than everybody, and she needs special protection, and that she needs all this other compensation because she's compromised. It's a very interesting narrative because it's persistent in the culture that's pushing this stuff and who took it. Victims of the the ills of the world afraid of what they've had to protect themselves from the vicious environment around us, which God made. Godless interpretations of their own self. What doesn't she have? She has no relationship with Jesus. She has no ability to work through her perception of being sick. And yet the core reason she's sick is because she's not walking with God. When we are walking with Christ and we're understanding that relationship with Father, even when we're challenged at moments, as David was being challenged as he he spoke these things to God, the thing is, he was never a victim. He was stronger. And God was mighty, and he knew that, and he knew there was something greater. Well, you're dealing with such a massive infection out here of the spiritual kind, that's manifesting in the physical kind, that people don't know how to live and how to react. They've assumed that their only life in all of her world, I'm going to take a leap, but I'm not going to be wrong when I do it, The leap is this. She sees her life as be-all, end-all, the one thing that she's living in and for. And even if she claims to have a relationship with some sort of a God or some sort of relationship with a higher authority, if she claims it, she's not living it. Our world is going to suffer a very difficult period right now where people are having to be awakened, not woke, they're already woke, and in this awakening that they're going through, they're arriving at a place where they are searching, but they don't know what they're searching for. And so we go through those five steps of grief. The first step is denial. The second step is anger. And the third step is bargaining. But see, those don't work just linearly. They work in a, in a cluster before they get to the point of depression and ultimately acceptance. But those three interwork and intermesh with each other. Because here's the thing, the the perfect temple that God created that we occupy, it understands natively right from wrong. And there's so much truth pouring out right now that there's no avoiding where the truth line lies. And so if many of these people, as we believe they did, they suffered some sort of cognitive break back in 2020 where they actually were under so much stress they shifted into another paradigm of reality, another way of looking at the world, accepting that the false narrative was the reality. And much of that was a neural issue that the subconscious pushes the body into a alternate reality to save the body from itself. Fear is a narcotic, and it is equally a cancer. And it's the one thing that we're warned about constantly in Scripture. But fear takes on many forms. When we think of fear, we often think of like Friday night, Friday the 13th or something. But motivation is fear, and fear of having to face truth is a big one. And this is part of where we walk right now, as many people are afraid of having to accept a truth the truth, that they were betrayed. This puts us in an interesting place because these people, just like her, when they get to this place like she is, they will ultimately resort to exactly where she arrived, to the a-holes, she says. The a-holes who are using my getting COVID as some sort of victory. I'm sure she's getting all sorts of comments. And I've talked about this before, and I think it's a very big thing to point out. It we're walking with the Father and we're walking in kingdom, it isn't our point to revel in someone else's suffering. That's a sin. It is our point, our walk, to point out truth. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out here that are looking, they're angry, they're, they're vengeful in the vengeful heart, and they will do that. What she needs is truth. And what she needs is Jesus. This is going to be increasing. This is not going to get less. It's going to get more. The world framework in which these people have been connected to, associating with, and protected by is unraveling, and it's unraveling faster than I think most of us even anticipated. We knew it would start to fall, but it is really falling fast. If you think back to those that went through what we call now TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome, it is a very real issue. Because what has happened with those people is they were locked within a cult of worship that when, and where much of that began was when Hillary lost. So what's significant about that? The people that were literally screaming out, throwing tantrums, having to do these screaming exercises in safe spaces and everything else, they were real. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of trolls that were set up, and I'm sure there's plenty of crisis actors that perpetuated it, but there were people there that were extremely real in their response, the emotional response to what had happened. They had rejected God. Their only hope was in a human being who herself was despicably corrupt, and when she was removed off the field, they had nowhere to go. They were literally in freefall spiritual freefall In a world where everything is seen to be physical and tangible, there's not an intimate relationship to appreciate the power of the spiritual. We are not physical first and spiritual second. We are spiritual beings occupying a physical body. And that should be our constant pursuit as we try to put ourselves before the throne and seek the face of Father God. That's where we should be. And as we develop that and that intimacy and listening to our heart, we begin to step into another space. This, uh, these sorts of conversations, I actually have some empathy for. I don't take it personally. It's just a sad state of affairs that she is so locked within a paradigm of existence and just unraveling her comments. And she's going to get more and more abused until she's either going to wall up and never step across into the opportunities of accepting Christ, or she'll break, and then we'll see who arrives at her feet, or not at her feet, but at her door. So you probably have heard in some of the prayers, especially in the afternoon, that I've been praying for this a lot, that when these people get to these places, the Father places us in the intersection with them to prevent to provide them with a glimpse of what it is to walk with Jesus. I think that's essential. And this is where I believe Father has really placed us in the crucible and in the furnace to refine us. Yes, we have endured a very difficult phase, some more directly than others, but over the last three years, it's been a difficult walk to avoid the insanity of those that were slinging slurs and throwing stones. But that battle is very much over and what we're facing now is a new battle, which we were prepared for. And so instead of looking back in terms of did we win or did we lose, was there a victor or even different to that or in parallel to that, look at those people that took it, they lost and I won. I don't believe that was ever the intent of where we've arrived. God takes all things that are evil and turns them to good, ultimately. And so the other morning, and I have mentioned this in last night's show, I woke to this, Do these words, can you overcome the vax? And it's a very big question for humanity. But it's gonna begin with individuals, it's not gonna begin with a collective whole. And as individuals, I think it's a very powerful question to put before us is can we lead those to Christ to let them heal and repent and in so doing have a greater victory than any victory we've ever imagined? That forces every single one of us to grow massively. It starts putting us on the levels of the Davids because we have to be close with Father. We have to have an intimate relationship with him to be able to endure it. We can fake it. Anybody can fake it. But we also know what that means. When you're faking forgiveness, all you're doing is swallowing it. If you want to meet people that have faked forgiveness, I had them all over Portland. It was the what was left of the hippie movement from the 70s. And these people were insane to watch because they would be like, oh, love and peace, love and peace, until something went wrong. And man they would be like watching a pressure cooker unwind. And it would just explode ultimately. And they would become the most divisive, most hateful, most foul-mouthed people you could imagine. And then they would go back to this, yeah, dude, man, we all got to get along. That's when we're running in the realm of just human emotions. And we like to tease ourselves to believe that somehow that that will resolve a problem. Seeking the relationship with Father, that true intimacy with him is giving us the healing of the heart and the strength of the heart. And as we've talked about so much here since the beginning of the first, beginning of the year, it's the loving and forgiving heart that leads to the greater justice that Father can bring. But justice takes very many forms. We have formed justice over our lives as an eye for an eye, very Machiavellian. We've formed the ideas of justice in our minds, of vengeance, of getting back. If you suffered, if I suffered, you have to suffer as much. But kingdom justice is restorative-based. It isn't that there isn't wrath. There is wrath. But kingdom justice is restorative-based. And so the greatest accomplishment for us here is to take someone like Dr. T. Gurdizani enduring her lashings at the world, which all she's doing really is lashing at herself, but she has no one to lash at. And the interesting thing is that what is evident here is no one's really listening to her. Because if they were, she wouldn't end it with comments, with the comment like to the a-holes who are using my getting COVID as some sort of victory. She's highly sensitive to the fact that all of what she stood for, all that she advocated has failed. And I'm willing to bet you that not one person she's encountered has said to her, Dr. Dipiti Gurdizani, Christ loves you. I love you as through the body of Christ. Would you like to pray with me? Or can I pray for you? Very disarming words. And they are truly words of the power of the Spirit. If we believe in them, if we walk with them, if we truly have that push into Father God to say, lead me in these words. There's nothing wrong with going through a process if you don't feel like you have that deep connection. But the ultimate piece here is to get deeper into that relationship with Father. And that begins in our hearts. So I want to share with you something. I want to. I'm just going to, Offer to you something that I work with a lot. I found myself very conscious of it today as I was working through it. Take this as I say, all things take it to prayer, weigh it for what it's worth for you. But hopefully, this can be some help to certain things. I've become, I've done an exercise now continually for a long part of my life. I've extensively since I started really studied martial arts, is where it all began back in the 90s, early 90s. But it's become very important in the process of connecting with Father. Every situation creates, generates two reactions in a simple form, but generates two reactions. One is a reaction in the heart, and one is a reaction in the head. And the process is to start identifying what the head is telling you, the brain, and what the heart is feeling, which is actually not feeling, it's speaking in the level of kingdom. And what you have to start to separate is what the brain is trying to drive the heart to do. A great example of this is when you hit something and you get high levels of anxiety, the heart's rate goes up because we aren't paying attention to the heart. We're only paying attention to the brain. And so if you work with focusing on breath and breathing, you can reduce the rate of the heart and you can calm the heart to where you be clear the head. Notice how that just reversed. The brain drives the heart. The heart calms the brain. What does that tell you? As we breathe, if we're focused on Father God, we're breathing with him. He is breath. And as we breathe and we're focusing on those places, we're able to start affecting positively the real engine of the body, temple, and that's the heart. Christ speaks to the heart, always talks about speaking of the heart. All things in scriptures talk about speaking unto the heart. And yet we rely always on the head. Dr. DPT Gurdizani is running from the head with a heart now that's even quite possibly damaged from this vax. I don't know. And so I think in this process, what I've discovered, and I even found it today in prayer, where I was starting to, my mind was wandering. And it was, it's become, so I'm becoming more and more cognizant of the process to tell you that you can start to identify even the external attacks that are coming to your head. And when you start to empower your heart, how much that entire conversation with God starts to change. When we go to God and we say things like, I'm just giving examples from my own experience here. I'm not generalizing. But if I, something has me upset and I go to God and I'm like, God, I need this. I've got a bill. I've got this. I've got that. That's not of the heart. That's of the mind. But all of that anxiety that I'm pushing out there is literally affecting that connection through the heart. When we breathe in through the heart and we are breathing in through our whole focus on that, we're breathing with Father what we gain is this amazing calm like David expressed in Psalm 27. He has his accusers. He has his enemies. He has the evildoers around him. And yet, he's not writing this in panic or saying this in panic. He's speaking to the Lord. Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So the to continue this conversation with the heart and the brain. This is an amazing psalm as one to use when you can, as you say it, imagine that it's your heart that's saying it and receiving it, not your brain. For some, this may seem silly, and that's okay. This works for me very well, and that's why I'm sharing it. Because we get to a place... We have to calm the brain. This war that we're in is all targeted towards the brain, and it's targeted towards separating us in the thinking space so that we become focused simply on ourselves and not on the deeper connection in the spiritual space where we are first connected, and it gets silenced. and The brain is tremendous at crushing the voice of the heart, which is the voice of God. and as we start to lean into Father more and more, what we find is a greater and greater calm, a greater and greater levelness in how we walk, a greater and greater relaxation with the state of things as they are, not the way we want them to be. The mind draws the pictures. The mind thinks of the things that should happen. The mind runs a thousand different scenarios on everything we do if we put it before ourselves. If we think about the coming days, People can lose their gourd over this, thinking about, okay, what happens if this happens and that happens? And oh my goodness, if this happens. And we end up with this chicken little sky is falling narrative constantly, which is putting us through these endless cycles of dopamine and adrenaline and destroying our body systems. We're literally shorting, shortening our life, burning ourselves out, and not getting any closer to Father God. As we go forward, that could become not just exhausting, it could become life-threatening. And for many out here, I believe it will be, especially when you add the complications and the compromises created by this injection, this bioweapon, these sorts of anxieties can start to cause people to literally drop dead. I don't wish that on anybody. And so it comes back to us. And I think it's a big question we all have to ask. And I don't think we ask it to ourselves. I think we ask it to Father. First question we ask to ourselves is, whom shall we serve? The second question is to Father. What do you want us to do? How would you want us to walk? And I think when we put that in context of what Christ would do, we know very well. The flipping of tables is an intense and powerful action that is a bold statement. It's a ferocity in the warrior, but the tenderness of the warrior of Christ is equally profound. And that tenderness in the warrior combined with the warrior spirit in Christ presents a model that as we walk, that is both ferocious as a lion and as compassionate as a child. I was with somebody over the weekend who's been raising their children just to be that comfortable in their conversations with God. And they have a number of children. And I witnessed it. And I, and I was, I marveled at how comfortable they were in that space. Not that I'm not, but how we become so complicated and we make things so about us. So here's a great example young man sat beside me on a sofa and he's, and he wanted to pray for me. So he raised his left hand and he began to pray. And then he stopped and he looked at me and he said, do I look stupid? (laughs) I said, no, you don't look stupid. He's okay. And then he goes right back to praying with God as if it was no big deal. And he just presented a very beautiful prayer, a very beautiful outcome. And It felt very much as if he was just sitting there with Father, just talking to him and looking over at me like, hey, man, do you think this looks stupid? And like, no. And it was normal. There wasn't any sort of big deal about it. And he makes no big deal about it. It's just the conversations that he has, as every one of these children have the same. Because in the world where they're being raised in that family, having conversations with God is as normal as me talking here on a podcast. As it should be. That's what we see in Psalms. That's what we see in these conversations. It's it's a conversation with God. And it's not running the roller coaster of emotions. It's not raging with anger out of our thoughts in our head. But it's walking with that calm and stable foundation that only comes from our heart. I, I find no irony. And no coincidence that this injection has been attacking the heart. That the WEF's promotion leading into the VAX about the new 24th Industrial Revolution always showed pictures of 3D printing hearts. Because that's the engine to God. And they know it. And unfortunately... Not enough people realize it and instead live in their heads. I think you know me well enough by now that I I believe very heavily in sitting quiet, breathing, just closing my eyes, focusing purely on the breath and letting my mind empty, what I call empty mind. And then at some point, having a deep, very calm conversation or question that I'll put to Father. And it's not always answered, at least not directly. I find myself, when I sleep, I in and out of dream, I'm talking to Father, just like it's a conversation. But it's not in my head. I'm talking through my heart. And it's a paradigm shift for us because we've been indoctrinated to believe that everything that comes out of your in, in your mind is always originating from your brain. It, and therefore, we doubt. We question whether what we see, what we hear, is it really that? Or is my mind playing tricks on me? But if we're deeply feeling that in our soul, and we're connecting through our heart. I don't know that the thoughts would be as crisp or specifically defined as they are out of the brain, but they are much wiser, they are much grander, and they are the impressions that God leaves to give us a great deal of clarity of where we are in this world. I will be honest, I've read so much today in just kind of assimilating a lot of information that I wasn't paying much attention to last week. And I find very little substantive anything going on out there right now other than noise. I see a lot of thinking in the head. I see a lot of chatter about what could happen, what would have, could have, should have or the potential of the end of the world. I've even read some scientist that says we're going to have an earthquake in California the first week of March, maybe. Okay. I don't know. And those are always interesting ones too, especially since I'm traveling down to California next week, northern California. And I, you, know, you get the first, your head goes, oh, should you go? And my first response is always, all right, Father, I'm listening. If I'm not supposed to go, let me know. Otherwise, I'll be fine. But here's the other part of that too, because it doesn't always mean that we're going to be protected from an event. God wants us wherever he wants us. And if we're trusting in him, sometimes he's going to let us walk right into a hornet's nest. What we have to remember is when we hit those moments, not to react in our mind, but to turn to him and lean into him and trust in him, remembering that he will not forsake us that sometimes we have to bear the weight of the cross. And it's that calm resolve, that resolute action that we see in Christ as he's carrying the cross, abused and tortured to levels we can't comprehend, forced to carry his own cross with a crown of thorns buried into his head, bleeding, dug into his skull. His flesh cut down to the bone on his black back from all the whipping. People throwing things at him, spitting at him. And yet, there is the foundation of his connection to God through his heart, not his mind, as he continues his task that he knows he must complete to save mankind. This is a time, I believe. For us all to find the center of calm, not to be reactive, to stay focused on the things that make a difference, to disregard the noise and confusion out here that's only going to get worse. But beyond that, it's an opportunity that God's put before us, in my opinion, that we can now walk with Christ in our heart, walk with that beautiful conversation of heaven, And demonstrate in the way that we are what the power of kingdom is flowing through us. The power of the Holy Spirit. And when those opportunities arise, not to take things that are lashing out at us personally, but instead to offer something so profound that most people don't know what to do. To pray. One last story on this. The pastor that I was with this weekend was telling a great story that he went in to the grocery store and God puts on his heart regularly to buy groceries for people randomly. So as he was in line, God put on his heart to buy the groceries from the man behind him. So he did. As he checked out, he told the cashier, well, I'll pay for his groceries as well. So it was done. And as he walked out of the store, this guy came chasing him down, screaming at him. The conversation went something like this as he, as he recounted it to me. What do you want? You think I couldn't afford my own groceries? You think I, I'm poor and I can't afford anything? And this pastor's name is Paul. He says, Paul says, no. He said, God put in my heart to buy your groceries. He says, oh, you're a Christian. What do you want? Paul said, nothing. I don't want anything. He said, yeah, you want something. Paul said, no. And this guy kept this dialogue up over and over and over. What do you want? What do you want from me? What do you want? Paul said, nothing at all. I just wanted to buy your groceries because God put on my heart to buy your groceries. And so he finally got in his car and this guy finally decided to disengage, as Paul tells a story. And Paul turned to Father, and he says, Father, what was that about? Because as he admits to his own self, as he admits in his own story, that he had the expectation, which is probably a key word to avoid any time we do things with God, but he had the expectation that he would get some sort of friendly response, and instead this was a, an intensely emotional, almost violent response for buying somebody's groceries. And God's response to him was, You've just shattered every paradigm he ever had about somebody who believes in me. Good job, my son. Listening in our heart, not taking the war in our heads, God will guide us to do amazing things. And each action that we are led to do as God leads us is a profound action of the heart. Because in the end, the rules are simple. Forgive. To be forgiven, love thy neighbor, is the principal rule. Let's pray. Jesus, we're just sitting here tonight, just reflecting deeply on the whole principles of love and forgiveness and the many that hang on to so many things that prevent them from feeling the true power of a forgiving and loving heart. We are racked, sadly, with so much injury that many times we're blinded and start to believe that people can't be healed. We forget that the forgiveness given to us, God extends to everyone, even the most extreme. And yet, because of our own injuries, because of our own biases, because of our own pain, We think through our heads and not through our heart, and we judge others or proclaim people to be rancid or rotten or impossible to repair. Forgive us for those sins because they are sins. And so we pray this evening for the true revelation of understanding the power of a loving and forgiving heart it sadly too many translate to weakness or they translate to giving up justice or disempowering our position not realizing it's through that place of a loving and forgiving heart that we truly empower the glory of kingdom to work through us and to heal and to deliver justice in the many forms that it comes Thank you for these moments that we have, Father, for reflecting and identifying those places that we can rise. Thank you for leading us to a way of understanding that the greater powers are not those of the sword of the steel, but the greatest power is that of mastering the sword of the spirit. We are humbled and blessed, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name, amen. It's definitely a challenging time, and it's not going to be an easy walk. But if it was easy, if it was as simple as saying, I've got Jesus, I'm good, you have a dirty heart, I can't help you, I'm walking, that would be nothing like Christ walked. And it would be kind of a silly end to this whole thing if we really believe that this has a God's hand in all of this, which I do. We are in such a profound moment in human history, such a profound moment in our relationship with Father, such a profound moment that we have right now to be able to look deeply within ourselves and take what comes at us to understand where our inequities are and to be able to take that to the throne and place that before Father on our knees humbly and asking for forgiveness and repentance and then stand to be greater in this world as he is asking us to be, not by our minds, but by our hearts. And to accept the commission, which is to walk into this world, understanding all of the flechettes that were thrown, all of the stones that were cast, all of the words that were spoken, and to speak into, Father, to ask for forgiveness, not just for them, for us, but for them. And in so doing, walk with the power of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit that will wield the healing, will heal the repentance, that will heal the acceptance of Christ, that will yield a greater world in in the eyes of kingdom. It's the only way we're going to get through this. The warrior class that we are is unlike anything we've ever seen on this earth. The warrior class here is not that of a beret or some cool guy outfit with body armor and a quick draw of a pistol. But the warrior spirit that we walk is the ferociousness of a lion in being able to confront the enemy. And break him with the love and compassion the Father wields through us and upon him. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe Dive into the deepest dead Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body